Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, 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 welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I have no idea what time you are listening to this because this is a podcast. We have an awesome, awesome, awesome one today. We're going to learn something brand new about sake with a sommelier sake, Louis Liu. Welcome. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, and- hello, everybody, indeed. So, for an American... And maybe for elsewhere in the world, sake is sort of an unknown. We've got a misconception. I hope that you dispel that the misconception is, oh, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the Japanese rice wine and you serve it warm. And I hope that that is incorrect. So I want you to start, Lewis, with describing for yourself, you know, what is sake? How is it made? What's the history of it? And why is it so important? Okay, uh, let me start with sake. The word sake in Japanese is known as alcoholic drink. But in Japan itself, the real word for sake is called seishu, which means a clear alcohol. Seishu. And some other peoples in around the world known sake as nihonshu, which means Japanese alcohol. And the most important thing for sake is ni. It needs to be clear. It needs to be clear. Yes, it needs to be clear in order to uh, call itself a sake. Okay, so sake. These, so so the word sake is just a generic word in Japanese for 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 beverage. Exactly. And exactly. so we just we're we're calling it in 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 the West or in English speakers. We're just saying, can I have? Beverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Can we have uh, alcohol? Right. Alcohol. Right. Uh, alcoholic beverage. Right. So the word sake. But the Japanese call it nihongshu right. or seishu. Yes. But because so many people is calling it sake, and everybody call it sake. Now. Everyone calls it sake. Exactly. Um, so I didn't even know that extinction, uh, distinction. Um, and now, clear. A lot of sakes that I've seen are not clear. Some of the sake, that's back to way, way back in 780, mm-hmm. when the Japanese people just discovered sake, when they make, they doesn't have the tannic to filter the sake. So there's a lot of rice residue are still kept in the alcohol. Okay. So this particular type of sake is known as nigori sake, and currently is very, very famous, especially for the lady drinkers, because... A nigori sake is more creamy, mm-hmm. it's sweeter, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, the ladies, they always like something a little bit sweet. Right. Yes, that's right. So there's, there's this whole classification within the thing that Westerners just call the sake. So talk about a little bit about the production of each of these and how it makes them different and, and where they came from, where they split upon in, in history. Okay. 
just now I have mentioned about 700 AD when they just start brewing right. sake. And that is a Nigori period, Nigori sake period. And that is during the Nara period in Japan, which is 780 to 980. Mm-hmm. And slowly, the monks are actually the one that is really brewing sake to pray to the gods. And slowly, they have moved on to another technique, which is developed in 980 to 1180. Mm-hmm. And this particular style of sake is called Bodai Moto. Bodai Moto is actually known as a Buddhist style of making sake. And okay. only the monk can make it. And the water to extract, to, to produce the sake need to be at the nearest river stream near a temple. Near the temple. And all the monk need to chant for the sake before it's produced. Right. And currently in Japan, out of 1,300 breweries, only nine breweries is currently still making this style of sake, Wait, known as Bodai Moto. Done by, by the monks. And, by the monks. And at the, at the monks' stream by the temple. At the temple. And um, all the people will just gather there. They chant for the sake. They produce the sake. They bring the, the shubo, which is actually the, the, the first tank of sake. They bring it back to the brewery. And they add in more water, they add in more yeast, and all rice, and they produce a huge amount, a bigger amount. Ah, so there's like yes. a little a little seed amount that they use exactly. to right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so there's only nine of those still run by by. I, I'm assuming it's uh, it's Buddhist monks or, uh, or Shinto shrines. Which basically the the Buddhism in Japan is a little bit different. Right. So it's uh, they still call themselves Buddhi- Buddhism. Right. Yeah, but in Japan they maybe call it Mo uh, Moka. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an association. Basically, it's a represents the Japanese Buddhism. Got it. Got yeah. it. And that those are the monks who are doing the brewing. Sorry, I correct myself. It's actually called Soka. Soka. Yes. Yes. Soka Association. Yes. Um, so now we're at 900 AD, mm-hmm. and we've got we've got now two separate kinds of sakes. We've got uh, a holy Buddhist sake, and before that, we've got the creamy the creamy white sake. Um, so when do we start getting clear? Okay. Uh, the Bodai Moto is already already pretty clear because they have a ready filtration system just mm-hmm. to, to filter the sake. So all the residue will stay in a net. So the Bodai Moto during the 980 is already semi-clear, mm-hmm. but just a little bit yellow. Okay. A little bit yellow. Oh, so color is okay. Mm, it's, color, color is fine. Oh, color is fine. Okay, so that's because when I think clear, I think vodka. Right, just ah. absolutely clear. No, it's it's you got it's got to be transparent. You got to be able to see through it. But it couldn't have it can have a color to it. Yes, you can have a color in the way that a white wine mm-hmm. you can see straight through a white exactly. wine. Yeah, exactly. but it has a color, yellow yes. or greenish. You know, yes. yeah. Yes. Ah, okay, okay, great. Um, so now sake is starting to. So we're at we're at the year nine hundred. When does sake explode mm-hmm. and just go everywhere? Okay, maybe I will go a little bit faster. So, oh no, I, no, please take your time or go as l- slower as fast as you want. Okay, okay. it's fascinating. Okay, so from nine nine hundred eighty onwards, people are actually keeping their sake aged, so they think that an uh, aged sake has more maturity. It becomes more full body. Mm-hmm. It turns a little bit sweeter. So they like this style of sake, and this is slowly goes to the muro. Sorry, correct me again. Uh, cool. Muro Omachi period, mm-hmm. which is during the 1100 to 1300. Okay. But because during this period of time, there's a war. So the Mongolia is invading Japan. Yes. 
yeah, during this period of time. So the Japanese government is thinking that, oh, there's people are making sake and they are making a lot of money. So I should increase the tax for alcohol <laughs> brewing. So they increase 30%. And many people stop producing sake because this is a little bit different. In Japan, the taxation is different from other countries. When you produce the sake, you pay the tax. Right. Straight away. Right. It's like this, even though it doesn't sell, you have to pay the tax. Just by producing it. Just by producing yeah. it. Yeah. So, so many breweries, they think making an aged sake is going to be a good product. But it's just very heavy in the finance. Mm-hmm. Because you, you have, have to... Yeah, you have to pay the tax for three to five years, and 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 just have your product sitting without with it before it sells. Exactly. Yeah. So during this period of time, the koshu, which means aged sake in Japanese, is popular, but only the royal family or the rich people they can afford it. Mm-hmm. So this is a really uh, luxury product during the period of time. Right. Yeah. And slowly, a lot of breweries couldn't survive because that it's difficult to produce koshu. And aged sakes, so they stopped producing it. So we've got a dead era of sake. Exactly. So is the, the art lost, or are the monks still maintaining it's, it's it? It's coming back in recent okay. days. It's coming back in recent days. So slowly moving on from 1300 to 1600, this period of time that's really the critical period of sake making. There's many many new tannic coming into the sake making. For example, uh, that's. Sake is produced only in the winter because that the Japanese producers, they believe that only with the cold climate mm-hmm. is able to produce a good sake. Right. Because during summer, it's really, really hot. When the temperature reacts with the east, it goes haywire. It's very difficult to control. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Well, let's let's take a time out before we continue on the uh, on the history of sake. Okay. okay. And let's talk about the manufacture of sake mm-hmm. because you've just thrown in a couple things in there that I'm like, well, this is surprising. So our base grain is rice. Exactly. Right. So what's the process? We we have got rice in our field. We've picked our rice, and now we make it into sake. How do we do this? Okay. Basically, we got the rice grain. So the first process is they have to polish the rice. And people think that the sake rice, in making sake, is just the rice we are eating. No. It's not. Just like we don't eat grapes from the shelf and grapes from the vineyard. Exactly. So the the sake grains, which we call it sake mai. So mai means rice Mm. in Japan. So sake mai is bigger. The grain is bigger. So in the middle of this grain, there's a white area. We call that shimpaku mm-hmm. in Japanese, which means um, the, all the starch is in the middle part. But the outside layer of a grain of rice, there's other stuff like the fats, like the proteins. We doesn't want that to be in the sake. Right. So we have to go through a process. It's called polishing. Aha. And sort of like when you husk the outer shell of a corn. Yes. You know, you, you, want, you want the starch in the middle. You don't want the cellulose that encases exactly. the... Yeah. So rice is made... Wow, rice is made up of multiple layers like that. Yes. I had no idea. That's right. That's yeah. Right. That's, that's, right. that's Oh, God. Now I don't know anything about rice. Great. <laughs> so currently, when the brewers are making this sake, they polish the rice into different percentages. So some of 
the rice is polished fifty percent. So fifty percent is as wastage. Yeah. Fifty percent to produce sake. Right. And this is slowly becoming a grading system in the Japanese sake categories. The more premium luxury. Exactly. Exactly. I, I get it. So now we've polished the grain, mm. and so now we've just retained. You know. The hearty starch in the middle. What's the next step in the process? The next step is we have to wash the rice and soak the rice. So that's a this one person is called a toji. He's a master brewer in the brewery. Mm-hmm. He will soak the rice, and he will decide when is the time to take out this particular rice. Right. Because you need to have enough water in the particular rice before you start steaming it. It cannot be too dry. It cannot be too wet. So now you've soaked the rice, and now I assume you go and steam it now? Of course. Okay. Steam it. But when you steam the rice, you, d- you don't steam the rice fully. You only steam the rice like maybe half cooked. Because otherwise you'd lose flavor, right? Exactly. And, and nutrients, right? Exactly. Yeah. So now we've steamed the rice. So we've gone from a large grain of rice, polished down to its core starches, swashed Soaked over a period of time, steamed. When do we get the booze? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, so the next step is because starch and convert to alcohol is not possible. So we need to convert starch to sugar first. From sugar, we convert to alcohol. Aha. Yeah. So they have to add a particular enzyme into the steam rice. Yep. In the condition room, which we call it the koji room. So this koji will actually break the starch and convert the starch to sugar. Yes. And when the last time during my visit in Japan, I visit one of the koji room. And the koji rice, which is after converting starch become sugar. Yes. It's, it smells like chocolate. It smells like vanilla. It's very, very fragrant. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. So, really so, so it's in a large vat, or is like I'm trying to think of like a Western equivalent. Mm. A Western equivalent, like like whiskeys are made in mash vats, right? And mm. it, it bubbles and it ferments, and mm. so so this is in a large open vat in a special room. Uh, in a special room, but we have not been to the fermentation part. Oh, okay, so just okay. Before there's still preparation for the fermenting, right? Because we're turning into sugar now. Yes, turning okay. into sugar now. So now we're sugar. Yes, now we are sugar. Right? Yes. So now they have to make the first tank of sake. So they will add in the koji rice, the koji rice, which is the, the sugar rice. Right. And they will add in water. They will add in yeast mm-hmm. to make the base tank. We call it shubo. Right. Yeah. So the starter mass, the starter fermentation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens, yeah. Yes, it happens to start it. And we keep it there for a while. We keep it there for a while. Mm -hmm. Then the next process is called sandan jikomi. Sandan jikomi in translation is a three-step process to to make more, more sake. Okay, so you're you're starting a small batch first. Yes. Ah, because you're utilizing yeast. Yeast yes. is an organism, yes. and you need to do a starter thing first. Yes, Aha. Right. Okay, I got you. So you got the small batch ready. The yeast is doing its job, both fermenting and reproducing itself. Exactly. And exactly. now we could add it into the big batch. Yes, add into the big batch, and you add more. So the, the starter tank, Yep. then the first day, 
you add in more rice. But this particular rice is just rice. It's not koji rice. It's just steamed rice. Mm-hmm. So they add in steamed rice, they add in water, they add in more yeast. Yes. Yeah. So the yeast will continue to produce and ferment. Yes. And on the second day, you just let it rest because you know it takes a while for the yeast to right. produce. Right. And on the third day, you add in more rice, more water. And on the fourth day, you add in more rice and more water. So this is a three-step process. So, Sandanjikomi. So, your starter of your koji rice, your sugarized rice, is just the foundation to go and go out and break down all the rest of the rice. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you're you're making so it's it's is is it it's like three to one. You make one batch of koji rice, mm. and then you've got three more batches to add of regular rice. Exactly. So, oh, wow, that's really crazy. So it just basically, it spreads out. Well, it's yeast. Yeah. It's an organism. It's yes. eating the sugar. It exactly. is spreading out yes. to eat and reproduce and ferment alcohol by, yes. I mean, defecating. I mean, this, alcohol is the, is the export of... Of True. yeast. Yeah. 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 So um, when I want to explain this, the main flavor is very critical on the koji rice. Right. Which is the first tank. Right. So the style and the, the taste, the flavor of the sake is heavily dependable on the first. The, what you started yeah, with. Yeah, what you started. Yes. Does that mean that the rice you add later can be... Any old kind of rice? You can mix different type of rice. Oh, you so you've always got a blend going on. Yes. Wow, so you've got a lot of variables in there depending on the koji rice, and then the three next batches of other rice can all be different. Yes, it can be different. Wow, you could create so many different flavors. Yes, exactly. Ah. Currently, there are some makers that are using like uh, mochi rice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even mochi rice. Of course. Yeah, so it creates even sweeter. Wow, wow. This is way more complex than I ever thought because, you know, I think of just how do you make wine? You stomp the grapes into the thing Mm -hmm. and then you put them in a cask and you throw some yeast in and I guess that's it. I don't actually know. I don't know how to make wine either, but I think, well... Okay, maybe I got to talk to someone who knows how to make wine too. Okay. So maybe, maybe I don't. All right, I don't know how to make any of them. Wow! So there's so many stages, and this whole process that we've talked about, from harvest to polishing to turning into sugar to fermenting to adding the whole batches. How uh, how long does this take? In order to make the first batch, yeah, there's two ways to make it. Okay, the first way is called sokuju method. Sokuju method means the speedy method. Mm-hmm. So you add lactic acid. So the lactic acid serves as a production. There's no other um, ease in the environment. Mm-hmm. You actually go in to attack and spoil the taste of the sake. So right. they add lactic acid into, into the first tank. So that process takes 14 days. Then during the sandan... And that's the speedy process. That's the speedy process. Yeah. So during the sandan jikumi... The four, first four days, they add in, they add yep. in for the f- three times. Yep. Then they wait for another 28 days. Okay. So it's 28 plus 14. Plus four in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Plus four in the middle. And that's the speedy process. Yes, the speedy process. So, so that, that the speedy process gets to age for 28 days. 
Yes. What is the longer process? The longer process is two way to call it. One is called the Kimoto style, mm-hmm. and the other one is called the Yamaha style. So basically, the difference between the Kimoto style and the Yamaha style is the Kimoto style requires you to mash the rice. To mash the rice. And you don't mash in the other style. Yeah, the other style is Yamaha style. You just don't mash it. And you just let, let the enzymes do their work. Exactly. And there's no lactic acid being added in. So the yeast is very independent, it's mm-hmm. stronger. Mm-hmm. So it will actually takes a longer time. So right. many of the yeast will, the, the weaker yeast will be, will be dead. Right. The, only the strongest one will survive. And this takes about 28 days. For stage one. For stage one. Yes. And the next process is the same. Another 28 days. Yes. Yeah. Another four days there. Oh, you did four days. And then another another 28 days. days. So we've got 14, 4, 28 or 28, 4, 28 days. Yes. And those are the two. Now, uh, we don't age anything after that? After that, when the sake is produced, Uh then that particular type of sake is going to call namazake, which is uh, unpasteurized, which is raw, Mm -hmm. raw sake. Then... From then on, you will actually break this type into different type of namazake, different type of unpasteurized. One is called namazume. Mm-hmm. The other one is called namachozo. The difference between a namazume and namachozo is namazume, you will be kept in the huge tank right. for at least about maybe nine months. Okay, okay. Yeah, you, you just keep it there for nine months. And they will pasteurize one time. Okay. In the tank. Right. In the tank. Yeah. Before shipping, they will bottle the sake and deliver. Yeah. And Nama Chozo, they will keep the sake in the tank. They bottle, they pasteurize, then they go. They they pasteurize after bottling. Yes. Got it. Got it. Um, So, wow, there are so many different variables and so many different ways. And so many different combinations, just to make one kind one one kind of sake, and there's like thirteen different kinds because it can yeah. go every every single way. Yeah. Um, all right, so now we know how to make it, mm-hmm. and now we're at the year sixteen hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, so yes. What, where where do we go now in the history of sake? Okay, so during the sixteen hundred, that is a period that Sandan Jikomi is implemented mm-hmm, during mm-hmm. this period. Oh, so now we've got now we've got the code. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be like this. Yes. So every even up to today, the Sandan Jikumi is still there. It's the and it's the one from the 1600s. Yes, yeah. exactly. During 1600 and 1600, they they realized one more technique is by adding distilled alcohol into the sake to make it blend. What is the distilled alcohol from? What source? Distilled alcohol is like uh, they make from sugarcane. Okay. They make it from rice. Okay. Distilled alcohol. Yeah. Higher alcohol percentage. Yeah. By adding distilled alcohol into the sake, it has two purposes. The first reason is the distilled alcohol will break down the sugar particles in the sake furthermore. Mm-hmm. So you create better aroma, you create better flavor. And the second purpose of adding the distilled alcohol into the sake, it actually increases the shelf life. Oh, yeah, okay. It's alcohol. Right. It kills bacteria. Yeah. yeah. That's why. And so now, now you've got a product that can be preserved. What's the li- what's the lifespan of a typical bottle of sake? The typical bottle sake is very. Um, it actually depends depends on what type of sake you are drinking. Right. If you are drinking a 
unpasteurized sake, just like maybe you're drinking a draft beer. Yeah. The draft beer will go bad faster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a nama sake, once you had the bottle open and you just leave it there up in the sun, not mm-hmm. conditioned, not in the aircon room and stuff, mm-hmm. I think maybe about maximum about five to six days, okay. the taste change. Okay. The taste change. And what about in a bottle? In a bottle, uh, if it's a non-namasake, mm-hmm. which is pasteurized Yes, sake, yes, yes. You can keep it for a longer time, maybe like uh, a week plus. Okay. Once you open. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking about how long can... Because wines will go bad in the bottle. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, some wines will go bad in the bottle, mm. like after a couple months. Yeah. Uh, liquor, whiskey and vodka will... Probably never go bad if you just let it sit. Will sake just probably never go bad if you never open it? Ah, no, no. no. Uh, it depends where do you store it. Okay. Yeah. So for for me, I think the sake will not go bad at the temperature of minus five. Okay. If you can keep your sake consistently at minus five, mm-hmm. it's going to last you forever. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's going to last you forever. So just below freezing. Yes. Yeah. Just a little bit below freezing. Just a little bit below freezing. Yes. Um, and then you've got, so if you are eventually a sake collector, you've got to have a fridge at that, or, well, actually a freezer. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then your collection will stay. Yes. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, so we're at 1600. The code has been instilled. Where do we go now? Okay. So from 1600, so during 1600, that is the critical period of sake making. Mm-hmm. And there's many new techniques coming in. Uh, just now I have mentioned the Sendan Jikumi yep. and also adding distilled alcohol yep. into it. Uh, plus only making sake during winter period. So this is a three three major things that happens during the 1600s. Right. And moving on, the next stage is going to be quite recent. Which Industrialization. Is, yes. Yeah. That is actually during the Second World War. Yeah. During the Second World War, many Japanese men have to to go out yep. and fight for war. Yep. There's no farmers. Yep. No farmers. That means no wines produce, producing rice. Yep. But the demand for alcohol is still very very high. Right. So during Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In this period of time, there's a common sake is coming out, which we call it futsushu. Adding more distilled alcohol into the sake to do blending. It's just for the purpose letting people to drink more alcohol yeah. because we don't have in, enough enough to make yes. yeah so you're 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 sort of like a 
sort of like the drug dealer cutting your own supply. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not that I would know anything about that, but so now we're in the modern era. Uh, well, no, now we're in the end of the Second World War, and it sounds like sake is pretty terrible at this point in time. Yes, yes. So I know sake from reputation right now is incredibly diverse and it runs from cheap to expensive. So when did the Renaissance happen? When did when did when did sake blow up back on the scene again? And everyone's like, we want to rediscover this old art and we want to make some money off of it. I believe that it's during 1992. 1992, After, yes. specifically 1992. Because 1992 in Japan, the sake association they implement a new grading system for the sake. Okay. So during the past people just go and drink sake and more people like this sake, they'll give them a, like a gold grade mm -hmm. and more people choose, less people choose it, you'll get a third grade sake or something right. like that. But you don't really care yeah, because you're just, you're not, you're not tasting sake right now. You're going out, you're just like, give me a sake. Which one? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in 1992, the grading system changed. Okay. So the grading system depends on the polishing rate. Of the sake. Like we discussed earlier, earlier, obviously the more expensive one has been polished down to a finer because you're wasting more product exactly. to make, yeah, okay. Yeah. So 1992, we get the grading system and now sake explodes. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, it also started a polishing war. Aha, the, a polishing yeah, war, a right. A polishing war between the Japanese. Who can do it more. Yeah, who can do it more. So the last time it's like, okay, I can polish it 50% away. Then some people do it, I can do it 70% away. Yep. Then more, more. And currently, the polishing rate, polishing rate is up to 1%. 1% means that for 1%, that means 99%, 99 of the grain has been eliminated. Yes. And that just seems, yeah. oh, that seems luxuriantly wasteful. Exactly. So it, it actually means nothing. It, exactly. it's, just, it's, it's just bragging rights. Yeah. You are right, but I don't want to say that here because, you know, because it's, uh, the brewers are making it that way. But personally for me, when I tasted the 1% sake and 7%, 9% sake, 35% sake, to be honest, it's just really same style. But yeah, but you're allowed to say that. You are an expert, you know. It's not, it, 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 it's, by the way, it's economics that's driving this nonsense, right? Yes. It's, yes. it's not consumer taste. It's, well, no, it is consumer taste in bragging that mine's a 99%er mm -hmm. and mine's a 34%er mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, so the market is driving it. So by all means, you don't have to fear offending the market because that's, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're like, well, the market's sort of dumb, but this is the way it is, you know? But to be honest, I really have to give it to the brewer mm -hmm. because in order to make a rice grain, 99% is a polish away right. and left the only 1%. Yeah. It's a kind of skill. I mean, yeah, actually, <laughs> there, yeah, I mean, I guess you could get a Timex watch or you could get, you know, some really expensive uh, Patek Philippe watch. Yeah. They both tell time, exactly. but someone spent more care and time and effort in one than the yes. other. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it, go it goes both ways. Yes. Personally, I think the $60,000 watch is ridiculous. Yeah. I also I, I, <laughs> I, I also would probably think that the $1,000 bottle of sake is ridiculous. Yeah, um, so let's talk sake on the world stage. So now we've gone through its history. We know how it's made. But sake is just here in Japan. 
right? Or is it? Sake currently, most of the breweries are in Japan. Right. The reason being is because Japan is blessed with really good waters. Mm-hmm. In order to make a bottle of sake, uh, let me give you a scenario. Sure. A bottle of sake consists seventy percent of a bottle of sake is water. Yeah. And the water is really really important because it actually gives you the texture when you drink the sake. And in order to make good sake, you need to have really soft water. Yes. And in Japan, there's really soft waters out there. And the water, the mineral content in the water, need to have enough minerals like magnesium, manganese, but it cannot have any mineral like iron, mm-hmm. because the iron will turn during the fermentation. The iron will make the sake turn sour. Right. So in Japan, they are. Trying to discover the water source, which water source is the best for sake making. That is the reason why most people goes to Nikata. Most people goes to Kyoto because mm. Nikata and Kyoto has good water. Has the water that matches they, the chemical profile they're looking yes, for. Yes, because you cannot bring water to somewhere. Right. Yeah. You no. can bring the tannic, but you cannot bring the water to somewhere. Now, so so sake is. Consumed and produced in Japan. Yes. But people are starting, it's starting to move. It's starting to move out. I mean, everyone's aware of it, but no one, I mean, at least in my neck of the woods in New York City, people are like, I'm sure there are restaurants where people know they're really good sakes. But more often than that, people are like, I'm going to a Japanese restaurant, give me a bottle of sake, and there's three or four choices. Mm. Um, Where, where, when does or where does sake go on the world stage in in the face of like French wines and Scottish whiskeys? And is it there yet? Is it going to be there yet? I think it's going to be. Yeah. Because sake has been moved out of Japan already. Like there are breweries in Taiwan. Right. There are breweries in Australia. There are breweries in America. Mm-hmm. There are breweries in China. So people are trying to find a good water source. Right. Once they've, they found a good water source, sake can be made outside of Japan. Right. And it will, it's easier for so sake to go international. And even a legendary brand in Japan is called Dasai. Mm-hmm. And this particular brand, they want to start a brewery in New York. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. bring it. Uh, yes, exactly. I will and have they some. they are the biggest producers of the premium sake in Japan. And so they're looking for the proper water source yes. to ensure that they can make it to yes. their standards. But from my point of view, I feel that Dasai doesn't need a good water source because I have visited Dasai mm-hmm. this March, 2018. Yep. And it's really impressed me because their production team is different from the traditional style of making. Yeah. The traditional style sake breweries, they will always have a master toji, which is a master brewer. Yeah. That's it doesn't have it. Every single thing is systematic. It's all science. Right. The whole room is temperature control. Yeah. The, every single place to make sake is weighing skills. They've already, they've perfected the art now, so now they're analyzing it with science to replicate it. Yes. Because someone artistically, at some point in time, by mixing like this, by mixing like this, got the perfect taste, and now to retain that taste, the secret formula is adhered to. Yes, the recipe is there, and they just follow the recipe. 
it'll work. And and it works. And it'll be repli- uh, replicated over and over again with perfection. And it's very very consistent. Right. And which is actually sort of different than vineyards. You know, wines will go 2014 was a good year, 2017 was an okay year, 2010 was a great year because of the however the rain was or how long the growing season was. So consistency is n- not ultimately a goal of a vineyard, but consistency is a goal of a sake. Yes. So sake is Sake is different than Western wine in that you want to make it the same every single time. You don't want to have a different year taste differently. Yes, because for wine, it's greatly depends on the grape. Right. And the grape is depend on the soil. Yep. It depends on the sunlight. Yep. It depends on the region. Yep. It depends on the breed. So that's the reason if, you know, this year we don't have enough rainfall, we don't have enough sunlight, the grape is not as good as some other years right you cannot produce great wine right for that particular year right but for sake it's different the rice the main process is how do you break starch into sugar and right. the technique of making a better sugar right out of the starch because you're you're brewing rice you're brewing sake sake is it's you're you're brewing it in a process not too dissimilar from beer yes whereas wine you're letting ferment on its own, right? So, okay, so the process is what makes the sake the sake. And if you use the same process all the time, mm-hmm. there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, really, that's really, really amazing. Um, now, you mentioned earlier uh, Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You are a native Chinese speaker, correct? Ah, yes. 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 And so you do not speak Japanese. So to learn uh, your, your craft as a sake sommelier... You traveled to Taiwan to learn. I traveled to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I traveled to Hong Kong. Yep. Of course, I traveled to Japan as well. Right. So in, currently, I go to Japan. There are people that speak English, mm-hmm. so they can be a translator for me. So I learn from the master breweries how to make sake, and they will explain to me in different techniques of how to produce a better koji rice and stuff. Right. So when I just start to learn about sake... I go to Taiwan. Right. It's, it's easier for me. But so Taiwan has a sake community. Oh, huge. Yes. Huge. Uh, it, well, how did that get there? First of all, in geographical location, yep. Taiwan is so near to Japan. Mm-hmm. And the Taiwanese culture is heavily influenced by the Japanese people. Yep. Because Taiwan used to be Japan uh, for 60, uh, 60 years. Japan, Got it. Yeah, occupied. Japan. Right, right. So the culture is there. And people, the old, older generation people, they drink a lot of sake, mm-hmm. and that is why. So there is a there is a uh, Japanese legacy yes. uh, left over in yes. Taiwan. Yes. Thus, it made it easy for the to to speak Chinese to learn from Taiwanese sake masters who learned from Japanese. Exactly. Uh, I got it. I got exactly. it. I I did not. I did not know that because I just think you think sake, you think Japan. You don't Definitely. think anywhere else. You know. Um, so now let's get into your, your expertise. Mm-hmm. You're there to guide people on a tour of sake. I'm brand new to this. How do I start? What do I buy? What am I looking for when I'm tasting? Is it like wine? You like what you like and it really doesn't matter? Or is it more like scotch? I can tell you which ones you're going to like if you're going to like these ones. Where does the brand new neophyte, the brand newcomer to sake start? For me... 
as a sake sommelier, mm-hmm. if you have not tried sake before. Yeah, let's say you haven't tried it. You've yeah. just never tried it. You've listened to this program and you're like, ah, I'm going to give the, the sake a try. First of all, I think any alcohol, you will know yourself that you will prefer something light or something strong. Mm-hmm. In order to produce a stronger type of sake, and most of the makers in the west region of Japan, which is down below, which we call it the, the south region of Japan, mm-hmm. because the climate is warmer. So they tend to, because of the climate, the sake at this region is tend to be a little bit more full body. Mm-hmm. And if you go upwards, you go to the north, like Hokkaido, Yamagata, you will get lighter style sake because it's colder. Right. The fermentation is slower. So when you choose a particular sake, you can look at the region. So you will have a benchmark. So yeah, I guess sort of like scotches. Yes. Uh, the Isla scotches, like the Lafroig, they are... Uh, the oats are roasted with mm-hmm. peat moss, mm-hmm. so they've got an earthy taste. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, the highland scotches, which are on the mainland, mm-hmm. are roasted with wood, so mm-hmm. they've got a woody taste. Yeah. Oh, and, okay, so all right, so by picking the region, you start to get you, you've narrowed your you've narrowed your goal down a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. The next thing is the grade of the sake. In the grading system of sake, that's futsushu, jumaishu. Jumai Ginjo and Jumai Daginjo. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Daginjo categories, the series, is going to be more expensive. And These are, this would be like an A, B, C, D, right? Yeah. But each one has a different category name. Yes. And most of the Jumai Daginjo tends to be more floral, tends to be more sweet, and it's really easy to drink because they are using the best part of the rice. Right, right. They're using, the, they're using the 2%. Yes, yeah. using the 2%. Yeah. But there are a lot of Jumai shoes uh, actually taste as good as the Jumai Dagen shoes. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is, first of all, you need to identify you like something heavy mm-hmm. or you like something light. Right. If you like something light, you go for the northern region. Yeah. Then you choose your category, which one is smoother, which one is more polished. Then the next thing you choose by the water source. Now, how does someone learn about the water source? The water source, maybe you have to do a little bit of research like uh, Kyoto. Kyoto, they have Fushimi water. It's really, really soft. Mm -hmm. In Miyagi, you have Sendai water. It's really, really soft. In Niigata area, you have uh, a lot of breweries is at Niigata Prefecture and they make really, really light style of sake because of the koji or the masters, the clan. Right. They have this kind of style. So that is a reason. A few more um, prominent, prominent areas that produce this style of sake. So you can go for, go for that. Right. So um, what... what <clears throat> You've you've discussed um, you know you you guys start choosing your region to figure out if you like you know the full bodied in the south or the lighter crisper in the north. Uh, give give the listeners a, a a couple brands that they might want to look at. Like give give them a couple of the full bodied ones and a couple of the light crisp ones from the north uh, that they could go look up that are accessible and affordable and 
hopefully available in the United States or, well, available worldwide. Who knows where anyone's listening right now? Mm, okay. So for the northern regions, there's a few particular brands I really, really love. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Most of them is from Yamagata Prefecture. Yep. One of them is called Kansan Ryu. Kansan Ryu. Kansan Ryu. Yeah. The other one is called Tate no Gawa. Tate no Gawa. This is two of the breweries. is one of my favorite. Yep. And uh, in the southern region, uh, I will have Koro. Koro? Mm. Koro. Uh, Koro is actually not really a sake brewery. What it's is it? It's a sake institute. It's a research center. <laughs> yeah. And they make yeast themselves. And that's where, that's, that's the flavor. Yes. Yeah. That's the flavor. Right. Because yeah. yeast has, yeast has different species of yeast. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, so, you know, when you make bread, you know, you'll have the seed yeast, right? And you, yes. you'll keep that forever and you'll, and you'll reuse that forever and ever because it keeps reproducing. Yes. So once you find, once the, the sake maker has selected their breed of yeast, that is the breed of yeast for their time, right? Yes. Because they'll yes. just keep it locked up in a vault, nice and temperature controlled, and then here you are. I'm using the same yeast every time. Yes, exactly. So talking about yeast again. Yeah. yeah. Long time ago, that's yeast number one, number two, number three, all the way to number five. Right. And currently, number one to number five is phased out. And now we have number six all the way to number 19. Yeah. Yeah. So there's only the, the sake industry only utilizes 19 different kinds of yeast. Yes, but some of the brewery they develop their own yeast. They call themselves the local yeast. Mm-hmm. Like um, they call it the mountain yeast and strawberry yeast. Yeah. But it's based on the number of yeast that they developed again. Got it. Got it. Got so it. So they they add a little bit things here and there to they created something their own. Right. The foundation is be, is and exact. now you own it. It's your biological organism. Yes. And my taste is going to be just like that every time because I've got the same organism. But this can be a misconception. Oh okay. Oh help me out here. Yeah. Yeast will not affect greatly on the flavor of the sake. It will not. It will not. The yeast will affect the aroma of the sake. Well, yeah. we know from you know uh, going to wine tastings and whiskey tastings, aroma is a good percentage of your taste. So, yes. I I think that's a pretty important thing, right? Yes, it's pretty important. Yeah. Pretty um. Important. But so okay, so you don't get your own flavor, but you get your own aroma, which enhances it. So it gives you your own flavor. Come on. The whole <laughs> yeah, gen- yeah, the yeah, whole general right. package. You're, right? you're, the whole the whole package. Yeah, the I whole know. Package. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, for example, sometimes I drink a sake. It's really the aroma is really fruity. Right. You get melon. You get like a. A little bit of a green apple, right? But when you drink it, taste bit, it. Yeah, it's different. It's got a it's got a dry or a tart taste, but yeah. it smells floral and upbeat. So now you've got these two different things working with you. There's exactly. a lot to look for to. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's very different. So the what are we looking for when we taste a sake? You, I mean, I think you touched on some of it, but you know, what are we looking for in the body? What are we looking for in the smell? You know. Personally, for me, I think everyone has a different palate. For me, maybe just for myself, right. I would prefer something is a little bit uh, fruity, mm-hmm. tropical, uh, tropical fruit, stone fruit, the aroma. And I like something is not too strong. It's a little bit light, light body, 
it's, it's, it's easier to, for me to drink. And I always like sake with a very, very short tail. Trails off. Yeah. After, after you take a sip, it's just... Yes. So your, your palate is clean again. It's clean, so yeah. I can eat something else. Right. Rather than, aha, rather than, got it, I got yes. it. So this is a few criteria when I look for when I choose my perfect sake. But, but I, everyone's different. Yeah, yeah, everyone is different. So you can drink more and you figure it out yourself. That's great. Yeah. What's, what's the future of sake? Sake seems like it's on the breakout moment of going, it already is global, but going global in a real phenomena. Is it sake cocktails? Is it, you know, exotic sakes from different places? Is a little bit of everything. I don't know. What, what, what do you see for the future? Or what do you want for the future of sake? What I see from the future of the sake is that this new generation of makers are making sakes right now. So they are very adventurous of making sake. Right. For example, just now when I have mentioned that you have to take 28 days to ferment the sake, they will reduce it to maybe 14 days. Mm-hmm. So that's less sugar becomes alcohol. The sake becomes lower alcohol content, but much, much sweeter. Mm-hmm. So this is a new way of making sake now. And during the Sandan Jikomi process, yep. which I have mentioned, yep. currently there's Yongdan Jikomi. They do it four times and even up to 10 times. So each time you're adding more, you're adding more, you're adding more, you're letting it sit. Yes. And then you're recycling that again. Yes. So it's like um, single barrel versus double barrel scotches and stuff like that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So basically, a Yongdan Chikomi sake will definitely taste like much sweeter because there's more rice. Right. In. So and, so the, and, they, and they pulled it. They pulled it in a quicker time before yeah. the yeast could get to all of its work. Yes. Yeah. And this Yongdan Chikomi process only happens on the last day of the fermentation process is going to end. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very, very short period of time. Just put it in, then just... And, and then pull it out, yeah. and then get it ready. And, yes. it, and, it's, and it'll be sweet, yes. but the alcohol content will be more like a beer yes. rather than a fortified wine. Yes. And also, when during the process of making starch to sugar, there's three different types of koji around in Japan right now. Right. One is from yellow... One is black, and the other one is white. The yellow one is the most traditional one of making koji the rice. Koji, the koji, the sugar rice. Yes, yes, for sake. And the white one is usually used to make shoju, the Japanese shoju. Right. It's a distilled alcohol. Right. The black one is making aromori, which is a beverage in the Okinawa prefecture in Japan. It tastes really, really similar to vodka. Uh, Okay. Yeah, very similar to vodka. So the new brewers are breaking the trend. They, they stop using yellow koji. They are trying to use white koji. They are trying to use black koji mm-hmm. to make the koji rice. And it actually gives you a different effect right. when you drink it. And sake brewers are doing second fermentations for sake to make it sparkling. And... They are also infused with tea, matcha sake, or oh wow, yes, or, or red tea sake. And recently, I had a red tea sake from Oita Prefecture. So Oita Prefecture is really uh, famous for their red tea. So they mix red tea, sake, and plum. 
It's really great. Wow. Really great. Wow, that sounds very good. Yeah. That uh, sounds great. really fruity. And what about what about sake cocktails? There's there's people out there starting to make like there's the mixologists who by the way, I'm a bartender. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mixologist. I'm about that. I'm a bartender. I pour beer and I pour whiskey. Don't ask me to make a cocktail cuz I don't know how to. Mm-hmm. But there are mixologists out there who uh who, who are starting to make sake style cocktails. Could that enhance the spread of the uh, beverage? From my perspective, personally, I feel sake is too light for a cocktail. You do? Yeah. I f- personally, I feel it's too light for a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Unless you have some sake that is really, really strong, I think it should be, you can make for a cocktail. But right. cocktail is very sensitive to the sake makers in Japan because the sake makers in Japan, they want to make the sake this way, to drink it this way. Right. And they just... It doesn't really want people to use it to mix cocktails. I mean, I guess I understand that because if someone orders like, like uh, you know, a Lagavulin scotch, mm-hmm. and they go, "Can I get a Lagavulin and?" and I go, "No, there's no and." You, you're drinking like, like I've I've taken drinks from people where they're like, they're like, "Can I get that with Coke?" I'm like. No, I would. I will not give that to you because how yes. dare you? Yes. You have to yes, drink yes. this how it is. Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. So sake. I, I do that too. Yeah. I do that too. Yeah. So sake has sort of the same attitude. Okay. Yes. I I appreciate that attitude because there are some things I didn't. I don't know enough about sake to know that we don't shouldn't mix sake. But now, I will never ever mix sake with something else, and I will appreciate it for how it should be appreciated. Yes. I, on I its own, how way. the how the makers, how the artistic artisan makers wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis, this has been a fantastic afternoon. Um, I'm very disappointed in you that you didn't bring us any samples. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you can always go to my place. Yeah, to try it. where where is your where is your place? Okay, we are at Stanley Street, mm-hmm. number eight, Stanley Street. Yep. Uh, it's very near to the CBD areas in Singapore. Yep. And what's the name of your uh, restaurant? Currently, we have two. Yep. The first one is called Shuku Izakaya. The Shuku Izakaya. Yeah, it's like a drinking place yep. for, so for people after work. They go yep. and get a beer, get a sake. Yep. And the other place is more for appreciation classes. It's called Mirai Sake Hall. Mirai Sake Hall. The word Mirai stands for means future. Mm-hmm. So the future of sake. So oh. I have brought in a lot of new sake. It's breaking the gen- uh, rules of the sake. And I think this is going to be the new trend of sake. Excellent. So next time you're in Singapore, please check out the Mirai Sake Hall and your uh, Izakaya. Uh, what was it? which one was it? Shuku Izakaya. It was an Izakaya. I knew it was with the Shuku Izakaya. Yes. Uh, and follow them on Instagram and Twitter and everything like that. Lewis, this has been an excellent afternoon. I think we've learned a lot about sake, and I'm going to go out and find some right now. Sure. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. So I just thought sake was like made like Western wine. And uh, you're really surprising me at how different this process is. Where does sake fit in in the world? I think for sake, the fermentation style is a little bit different from wine or beer. In the world, there's three types of fermented alcohol. Only three. Uh, I think in general, yeah, it's yeah. about three. So one is beer, one is wine, the other one is sake. For beer, the fermentation process is from starch to sugar. And it stops there. Then they use the remaining sugar to make it into alcohol. 
For wine, right. it's just you squeeze the grapes and from sugar to alcohol. One step. One step. Yeah. For sake, it's starch to sugar and sugar to alcohol. And this process happens together. It's a parallel fermentation in the tank happening at the same time. Rather than wine, wine is sugar to alcohol. Yes. And beer is grain to sugar to alcohol. Exactly. And because of this process, a sake contains about 15 different types of amino acid in the alcohol, in the sake. A wine will contain about seven to eight different types of amino acid right. in the wine. Right. And what is amino acid? We have, actually, we have, from the science, from science perspective, we can know that amino acid is found in, um, creates a lot of uh, savoriness. Mm-hmm. And you can find amino acid in the uh, MSG. Okay. Oh, yes. so, yeah, savory. Yeah, the flavor. Savory, flavor and savory. Yeah. So, amino acid serves as a catalyst to enhance the food pairing process. And, and sakes have 14 or 15 different yes. amino acids. So and wines have seven or eight or whatever. Exactly. So in the science perspective, I personally feel that sake is a better pairing beverage compared to wine. And, and that is a process of this parallel dual fermentation exactly. that no other fermented beverage undergoes. Exactly. Awesome. Yes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.